0: Heels off the top, Larkham, Herbert smashes through the middle, Griegan, drop goal from Larkham, up it goes, could you believe it, Larkham has to be to G'day and welcome to another Green and Gold Rugby podcast, where the podcast getting you over the game line, or as I like to say, the podcast that... It's harder than the shoulder of the big Gumby Barrett brother, and uh, it's Matt Rowley here, and got joining me for this very special celebratory edition. I've got you wouldn't believe it, but he's he, he's back. I don't know where he found him from. Obviously, he was under the bandwagon. Now he's on top of it, Jamie Miller. Hi, how you doing? Good, mate. It's good to hear from you. Um, been a long time, but you know, it's always, But it's but it's always welcome. Um, also with me, uh, he wouldn't, we, he wouldn't let us keep him off this podcast. Um, he was threatening to do his own two hour version. Uh, if we didn't, um, it's Hugh Cavill. Good night, mate. How are you?
1: I'm great. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Uh, There's nowhere, <laughs> I, nowhere I'd rather be. And, uh, yeah, that, I still might do the two hour pod. I mean, if, if, if the demand's there, I feel like, uh, you know, this one was probably going to go for three or four hours, but I'll probably still go another two hours after that.
2: So, Hugh, Hugh, we should probably just get this out of the way early on. What was more exciting? Was it Saturday night or you recently getting engaged?
1: Look, look, I've got no comment on that formally. Uh, <laughs> That's what I thought. That's exactly uh, what I thought. Yeah. Look, let's let's you let's move on to five questions. Eh? Let's let's get to the real burning question. You didn't get engaged by
2: twenty-one points, so you know. <laughs> by a record score.
1: There well, was well, a shoulder gonna... charge involved, ironically. So <laughs> That's the only way you would have
0: uh, got her into that mess, mate. Anyway, so moving right on, trying to get Hugh out of that one. Um, here are the five questions we're going to be going over tonight. Number one, what was our favourite moment from that win? Just one. Number two, which player surprised you the most? Number three, would we have won without the red card? Number four, would you make changes next week? Um, and if so, what would they be? And then a number of five around the grounds, everything that's going on, talking about Joey's win. All right, so number one, um, favourite moment from that win? Hugh, off you go. You've only got
1: 40 minutes. Oh, <laughs> yes, fantastic. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I, I'm going to go with probably the obvious one, really, as soon as I'm, I'm first up, and, and that was Nick White's try. And and the reason I loved it was was not so much because of what Karevi did on the break, um, and, you know, that sort of try-scoring phase itself. But just that whole that whole passage of play, which started from a kickoff. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was from the um, Salakar Loto try. Uh, the, they kicked it back to us. We, I think, you know, Michael Hooper might have trucked it up. And then it was, uh, uh, I think it was Rory Arnold potentially. And then Tolu Latu took a, took a pick and go that bumped off Sam Kane. Um, Leo Lofano then, then took a hit up and then... You know, we, we we played with quick ball to the space, and 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 Izzy Nisarani just put the head down and barreled forward. And by this point, we were we were almost at the halfway line, and and Marika Korobidi again made a great heads up play, saw the saw the uh, space down the short side, and, and and picked and went and and put Karevi in a space. It was just it, it was phenomenal rugby. It was just so simple, but it was so effective, and and just in that what must be. Yeah, it must have been no more than 30 seconds that that passage of play was probably the best i've seen from the wallabies in 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 living memory just just in terms of how that all went and it was capped off by obviously an amazing finish by by um well amazing run by Simon Krevin a great finish by Nick White who was you know instrumental throughout throughout the whole play so um yeah i i think that that was the one moment where i thought you know putting us up by i think 14 at that point and you've really felt like Holy moly! This is this is real, you know. This is real. Mm. We're actually doing this.
0: Yeah, no, that was there was there was actually like mini moments within that. I mean, seeing was it Smith getting run over, and then Barrett like literally it was like a Mike Cat moment, you know, um, with Jonah Lomu when um, Karevi went over the top of him, kind of like like a drunk man taking off his underpants.
1: Um, well, have you seen have you seen some of the coverage in New Zealand? There was an article written about well. If Scott Barrett got a red card for the, and we're going to get to that later, obviously, Scott Barrett got a red card for the shoulder charge on Hooper. What, where was Karevi's card for him barreling over, um, <laughs> but making contact with Bowden Barrett's head as he barreled over him um, to set up Nick White's try?
0: Oh my god, it was that uh, an element. Was that from Dismal Pelic? Was there an element of uh irony in there? Or was that? No,
1: I, 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 I could put it up on our uh, side, it was wholly serious to say, Why do the defenders only get penalized and not the attackers?
0: <laughs> well, to be fair, it was pretty grievous what we did to a bunch of them, um, yeah, you in, know, in, in our attack, um, mate, yeah, no, that was, that was actually stunning, and I, like you said, there's actually. Um, like a a few passages of play and a couple of them leading or more than a couple of them leading tries that were just fantastic, just all the way from our 22 um, through the middle and then up the side. It wasn't like it was just like some sort of um, turnover try. Um, They were just beautifully put together ensemble pieces of the play, quite outstanding and very unusual to be put on against the All Blacks. Um, So that's your favourite piece, mate. Um, Jamie, what was yours? Uh, My
2: favourite moment from the win was everything that came
0: afterwards from the win
2: from everybody associated with New Zealand rugby. Uh, I think we all expected, you know, the usual levels of recriminations and throwing players under the bus and blaming the referee and uh, yelling that this was simultaneously both a crisis and that the Wallabies had had a freaky one-off performance. And, And all of that duly followed. It was almost like it was perfectly scripted. We had... Uh, some truly ridiculous articles in the New Zealand press today about all the dirty tricks Australia got away with, because obviously that was the reason why we scored six tries on them. Um, mm. and we had recriminations from the coach. We've had players who were bolted on for the World Cup now look like they're going to be jettisoned. I mean, it's just been it's it's been a joy to watch. Um, you know, um, uh, it's, it's it's been what, what, joyful.
0: What, what for were our dirty tricks? Because, I mean, I'd love to yeah. actually so th-
2: there's an article in the New Zealand Herald today about our 14 neck rolls in cleaning out. 14, one for every player that New Zealand had on the field. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's just the headline. And then the logic of the article actually gets worse and worse. They're like, what was the TMO looking at during this game? Well, I'll tell you what he was looking at. He was looking at the six tries we scored and the red card. Um, you know, he's actually quite busy, to be perfectly honest. But, um, but, but seriously, I think there are some All Blacks whose fortunes have, have really hit the skids as a result of the weekend and some really incredible stat lines from some of their players. And uh, I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit. But all of that was, was great for me. I, I got to watch the game more or less live at a party I was hosting. And then I watched it again once everyone left. And I've watched it two yeah. more times since then. It's just been fantastic.
0: Yeah, I loved watching it at your party, mate. It was great. Thanks for that, mm. the
2: invite. Um, Sorry about really that, mate. It. Well, it was actually it was actually a costume party, and the Wallabies uh, brought the best costume because they they came as a team that actually could play high level rugby, and it's <laughs> it's a it's a costume they've worn before, but not for a very long time. And you can recycle costumes if you do that. So, well, yeah. I
0: don't think it's fit that it fitted as well as it did on Sunday night. That boom boom. Um, <laughs> boom. Staying with your, your, with your bit about the New Zealand reaction, actually, um, again, a micro moment within that for me was um, Hanson's rea- – the, the footage of him in the press box, in the coach's box. It was so beautiful to, to watch. For a man who surely must be the biggest comes in world rugby, um, watching him absolutely just twist and turn in that coach's box – as it all just went, to, you know, to custard in front of him, and all those comments about how, who was Mickey Mouse and who the clown was and everything else, as he got right ro- royally stuffed, was just beautiful. You don't get to see that often. Usually, there's that shit ingredient on his face, um, <laughs> and it was, and it was inverted um, quite beautifully. And so, yeah, within that, um, I'll take that as a marker moment from yours. I look, mine was. Um, it was, it was. I guess there was one moment, but it, it, there was a number that came together underneath it, I guess, which was the spat that Michael Hooper had um, with uh, the, the New Zealand flanker, Artie Surveyor, um, where um, basically Hooper got tackled um, without the ball by Surveyor. And then as Surveyor got up, he decided he'd uh, you know, push Hooper's face to the ground. Hooper got up, gave him a yank. And the surveyors stood there kind of trying to do that grin like, hey, what are you going to do about it now, pal? And then got penalised, which was just, you know, unbelievable. So, and I'm not really sure if I'm arguing it should have been a penalty or not or whatever, but it was just absolutely beautiful to see, again, that grin get kind of turned inverted. And I guess what I liked about it as a symbol was, and as we've come to see, clearly the All Blacks were targeting um, Hooper throughout that match. Um, Barrett hit him more than once and obviously got um, ping for one of them and, and you know they gang tackled him tried to pick him out of kickoffs all those sorts of things and he just kept bouncing back and ended up having probably one of the best games I think a lot of us would say that he's he's maybe even had in the gold jersey and that's saying a lot because he's had a few good ones so um, I thought that was just it said everything about him
1: yeah it, it, was, it was amazing but I mean everyone had an outstanding game we're gonna get to get to the second question um you know to talk more about individual performances but it, can I give you one more moment I'm 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 not mm-hmm. allowed to have two but, no, but I can, can I mean, give you no. can I give you more of it in the spirit of the game where what I think the moment was too it was mm-hmm. it was when um Taniella Tupo took a pilfer um and essentially we ran back up the field and scored Marika Korobiti's try. And I mean, again, it's a, it's a long moment, but when he took the pilfer, we were only up by seven points. And I think it was about the 60th minute. And I don't know about you guys, but I was sitting at home watching going, don't care how many people the All-Bucks have got. If they've got 12, 11, 10, I'm still worried about this game. And, mm-hmm. um, and at that point, you know, we obviously kicked ahead, but they'd pegged us back and Bowden Barrett had scored a good try. And all of a sudden the margin was seven. And the All Blacks were in our 22, and um, Tupo took a, took a big turnover, and I think that was probably a really big moment because then we we I think we won a penalty a few phases later, went down the other end and scored a try, and that and that was that sort of moment where you know we're actually st- stepping up and 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 you know even though we were, we were a bit under the pump, we, we turned it around on them, and that that was a that was another moment in the game. I thought that that and Karevi's try for me were the two two sort of big defining moments.
0: No, it was. It was. Yeah. It was, it was quite beautiful. I, I look, I think another thing that kind of wrapped into it. I just loved the way that we kept that scoreboard ticking over, um, and you know, with those uh, those kicks in the first half, just to have the All Blacks chasing it and and never have them comfortable um, was just um, was absolutely beautiful. Um, all righty, Jamie. you didn't have a second moment you wanted to squeeze in there, or was it just pure schadenfreude?
2: No, no, it was really Schadenfreude. That's what I'm really about these days. Um, that's that's the only way. That's the only type of Freud I'm going to get. So you know.
1: <laughs> Alrighty. Um,
2: no, look, I, I will actually mention one thing which I am reading today, which was just astonishing. Which was that Alan Latoa carried the ball twelve times on the weekend, and Joe Moody carried it once, and Owen Franks did not touch the ball in the entire game. So. Mm. One you can really see right there the impact of that sort of high octane game that we decided to play and how much it just shut New Zealand out of the game from an attacking point of view and, and I really agree with Hugh there that it was just it was just so impressive. It was inspiring and effective at the same time. So more of
0: that, please. Well we'll talk a bit more about that a bit later on, I think. So let's move on to question two. Which player surprised you the most, Jamie? Uh
2: in terms of surprised me the most was Tolu Latu, I think, pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy, you know, they actually mentioned... Well, did, inex- did he, didn't,
0: he didn't give away a yellow card.
2: <laughs> no, he only gave away one penalty, but he earned a turnover as well. So I guess that balances... But he, he actually just had a great game. He was involved yeah. in everything. Lots of carries, no, uh, no arm tackles down low. He got off the ball when he was meant to get off the ball. And, and he was just in everything like pepper and salt. Really, really impressive. Um, you know, I he's a guy who I think if he was playing in New Zealand might have a super rugby contract. And then suddenly he looked, he looked completely at place at the international level. Obviously it's about consistency, but his performance was very, very impressive and very surprising.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why Czech has always, you know, been inclined to choose him even amongst, and that's why everyone was kind of scratching their heads um, with this selection coming into this test match. But, He's kind of like a rubber ball. He just kind of bounces, whether it's into tackles, off tackles, through um, clean outs. I mean, he's got no regard for his own or, I guess, anybody else's body. But it's that level of intensity that he kind of brings. He's a pest at the breakdown, which is fantastic. Um, And he, like you say, he only managed to give away one penalty, um, which was brilliant as well. And I've got to say, with that, I mean, isn't that – Australia gave away four penalties the whole match. Um, I mean, we are generally running at about 20, um, on average, uh, you know, in in the last few years, four in a whole match. That's quite unbelievable. Um, Latu had a quarter of them, but you know, um, yeah, so that, that discipline that he and everybody showed, I thought was, you know, really, I mean, that's really quite remarkable. And it was something that just kept the all blacks out of the match, kept them, kept that possession away. Um, it was quite, quite stunning. Um, Hugh, what about
1: you, mate? Who surprised you? Well, I, I was probably going to say Lato as well, but yeah, you were. Without without him, I'm 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 going to say James O'Connor, and and the reason why is it's probably a longer story because I've been doing a bit of research into this today, and and you two would be aware as as keen cricket watchers, and you know the Australian cricket team has gone from being you know a team of beer-swilling alpha males, sledges and and cheaters to a new age with Dustin Langer where, you know, they believe in a lot of sort of Eastern religion and they go on the field in bare feet to earth themselves to the pitch. And, and yeah, there's a lot of sort of deep state meditation and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. And, you know, with that context and why that's seeing them do so well in England at the moment, I went back and looked at James O'Connor and, and it turns out James O'Connor's turning point um, was an Instagram post he placed about a year ago. Basically, and allow me to read to you the caption. Um, Permit me to do so. Coming to the end of my training camp in Iceland, and it's been a humbling and truly enlightening experience. I've been pushed into some very uncomfortable situations through use of sensory deprivation, heat exhaustion, and deep states of meditation. My reaction to each stimulus has forced me to face myself and my darkness in a way that I've never felt before. I now know who I was, but more importantly, I now see who I must become. It is time for me to share my truth. I have a deep desire to play for the Wallabies again. I have learnt from my mistakes and I am now ready. Ready to bleed green and gold. Ready to bleed for my brothers. Ready to bleed for the people. I will be back playing in October and I will have my eye firmly on the World Cup. I will not let myself or anyone down again. Time to shine. Um, and wow. about a year after that, um, he took the field and I thought, look, I wouldn't say he played the house down, but but he certainly added an extra dimension to our back line. He set up, yeah, you know, he threw the last pass in, in Reese, both of Reese Hodges' tries, one of which was a amazing piece of play. And then I don't know if you saw his on-field interview after the game. Um, and it was the most sort of Zen-like thing I've ever seen in my life. He was just so chilled out. It was like he just sort of, you know, come off a beach in Byron or something he was just it
0: it, it was almost he he
1: just was kind of
0: he was he was kind of staring with 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 uh loving eyes I think didn't someone wasn't there a meme out there is like find someone to look at you like James O'Connor did look at Kaif in his aftermatch interview it was uh yeah
1: it was it was really it was really interesting to hear essentially and and I don't know I don't know what 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 the uh century deprivation in iceland did for him but uh <laughs> in this new age of australian sport all i'm saying is uh it's, it, it could be the answer and, and look god knows we're, we're only one game in but but um I, I, th- I was pretty impressed
0: so this isn't the iceland you go to after coke land it's like a, it's, <laughs> the, it's 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 the actual it's the country not the uh not, not the state substance. yeah okay um now, look. Well, that's, a, that's a, what you read there, though. Look, I'm going to put all, you know, um, uh, sarcasm aside. That was that's a pretty amazing thing to have written. I mean, like you saying, to put it all out there a year ago, not knowing what the hell might happen. It's very eloquent, actually. It's it's moving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I,
1: I read it. In, it's certainly a very. You know, I think I read it in a in a way oh, better than it was, than all it was you intended.
0: Did. It was all for you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> It was all your reading of it. <laughs> to, to to
2: sort and, of bring it to to bring it back to the rugby, I think Rod <laughs> Kafer said something in the commentary that was really spot on, which was the difference having some guys who can really play the ball out in those wider channels. Mm. Uh, you know, between him and Kurtley Beale, uh, compared to say Tavita Kurudrani and Israel Folau, made a huge difference on the weekend. Just the yeah. that element of doubt, the the ability to you know run, pass, catch, kick. Uh, it was. It really made a big difference.
0: No, you, you, you're right, it did. And, well, because, we, yeah, we even saw Krevy for the fantastic game he had. He did manage to butcher um, that try in, 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 in the first half. And so seeing, like, an O'Connor being able to create tries like that, um, like you say, was really, really good. Um, look, my surprising player, and I guess shouldn't be that surprised, but he, well, he's come out of form but has clearly coming back into it and I think it was the little skills you mentioned earlier on actually Hugh was um Marika Corabetti um I thought he had some amazing moments both in attack and defense but the ones that were just like he at one point he fooled everybody cameras um commentators thankfully not the ref um was that try he scored off the side of that ruck like no one was looking no one knew what was going on including all the all blacks when he would already scooted over scored the try and everyone's like where's the ball it was absolutely unbelievable but that try the other try you talked about which was the one off down the sideline most people also missed um the fact that yeah he started that off again from another pick and go mm. um which which was suddenly we were 20 yards but, but beyond the defensive line um It's that sort of smart, quick thinking, um, which is just kind of counter to the rest of the way that um, international rugby is being played at the moment, where it's just recycle, recycle, recycle to the middle of the park. And he just pops up from nowhere. I mean, what the hell was he doing off the side of that ruck
2: in the middle of the park?
0: Well, it was actually a bit of a tactic
2: that we saw over and over again. I mean, the Wallabies went through a couple of different sets of pick-and-drive phases. Uh, Mm. There was one in the first half as well. And Marika Corabetti was right there. It's clearly a plan that they'll either go with the nine forwards or bring him in for those sort of rugby league style scoots and bring someone else out into the backs. Um, But he, he definitely lends a pace and a physicality to it, uh, to the pick and drive that is pretty useful. I mean, that, that offload that he did for Karevi and the, the Nick White try was also a pick and drive from
0: the ruck, So it's sort of becoming his his signature play, I guess. Yeah, no, and it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, and it's something that they did. I mean, obviously, the All Blacks have loved to have been able to just, you know, fill out and, and um, spread out in the line and have, kind of have that oh, black line. But they, you know, but whether it was through White or whether it was through those pick oh, and goes, um, the, you know, we beautifully got behind it. And really, I, I, I think that was one of the things that just kind of scrambled their brain. Oh,
2: absolutely. I don't think
0: I've ever seen a team whose pillars and posts have been
2: obliterated as much as New Zealand's on the weekend. I mean, Nick White. It just must have been causing them nightmares. He had he had fourteen runs for the game, fourteen mm. from a number nine who went off in the sixtieth minute. I mean, he was just tormenting them right around the fringes. And when he wasn't doing it, he was hitting runners at pace, running you know just off the shoulder of the A's and B's. It was it was you know it, it was a very smart
0: tactic executed very very well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess. Talking about maybe we can just widen this question out a little bit. We've talked about the players who positively surprised us, but maybe talk about some of the things the team did that positively surprised you. I mean, that one there—you know—exploiting um, those edges of the ruck and through the and 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 through the ruck was just absolutely beautiful. I mean, you touched on another one earlier, that, Jamie, that the um, that the, the Kiwis are whinging about, um, and I think I probably had a whinge about when Ireland was doing it so well um you know a couple of last season was it or the season before um which is so the bigger picture thing that i was so happy about was our work at the breakdown in defending in uh, protecting our own ball Um, Mm. the clear out was absolutely fantastic, incredible Incredible. yeah
1: yeah that was what i was gonna say
0: but the um the techniques they started using which i don't remember seeing as much was was that kind of island kind of do it where you clean out from the side you don't you don't try and clean from the front and roll over you just basically swing around and just clear them literally sideways over the ruck Mm. um kind of like a swing motion um right around and look maybe i just noticed it more on 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 the, the five times i've now watched the game um but it was just it was so efficient um, and, you know, they kept talking during the telecast about us throwing an extra man in there. Well, if that's what you need to do to ensure continuity of ball, then, you, you know, every day of the week, um, absolutely worth it. I mean, I, that was one of the things to me. I was, I was gobsmacked. I mean, you, you were saying you noticed that as well, Hugh.
1: Yeah, it's such an underrated facet of the game, and and our accuracy, especially, you remember the All Blacks picked a back row of Kieran Reid, arty Sarveyor, and Sam Kane. You know, they've they were playing almost three open sides. And so to have, I think, we conceded three pilfers uh, through the, throughout the game, and one of which was a dubious savvy one, which was then sort of we won a penalty from in the incident you mentioned earlier, Matt. But um, so, you know, that, that considering, you know, how mobile that New Zealand pack was, to, to have those clean outs hit every time. And it it was what allowed Nick white to do what he did because he got fast ball. He got clean ball, um, every time. And all of a sudden the New Zealand pillar poses were always back on their heels. And then, you know, he could pin those runners back even further. And, uh, and, and, and he did it all game. He did it very well, but you know, the two guys for mine that stand out were, were well, three guys actually were, um, are you Isaac going to Roder. say
2: three people? You're going to
1: name three people. Well, for the, in, in the in the cleaner sense of the team, <laughs> in the cleaner. Okay, all right, okay, fair enough. Was was I mean? Is is Rory Arnold and Isaac Ryder and, and Izzy Naceri who, for, for for my on the on the eye test, and it could be wrong, but to me, we're getting through a lot of that grunt work around the ruck, mm. and um, I thought that was where we really won the game. It was those, yes. you know, the New Zealand locks miss Brodie Retallick, and obviously they miss Scott Barrett from the forty-minute mark, but um. They were blown off the park and, and, and they didn't have a heavyweight presence in the back row either. And so we just, you know, at the ruck, we monstered them and, um, and, and it was great to see.
2: I think that's that's spot on. I mean, I think that is where the game was won and lost. If Australia had about 200 attacking rucks, they had uh, Isaac Rodder losing his feet for a penalty, three pilfers. That means one in every 50 they lost. So 49 out of 50, they won. And the thing that was so interesting about it was they did it without that very overstructured three forwards going at once uh, structure that they've had for so long. It was much yes. more, let yeah. the guy, it was much more, get the ball quickly. Uh, if White sees half a gap, let him take it. Like they never, never worried about a, a runner getting isolated. The attitude was just everyone put, everyone just go almost bananas with enthusiasm and just if the runner gets there he'll get over the advantage line and we'll have enough guys to make it work and 49 out of every 50 times it did it was so different from that overstructured picture that we've uh become accustomed to seeing
0: yeah it, it was amazing the difference it made like suddenly it wasn't like you know you know they knew who to hit and they were in, in position i agree with you i think so much of it had to do with white's pace but well oh. i think the other thing that people underestimate is when you're a forward runner and you know when he's going to have that ball and you can time your run, suddenly you can be in motion, suddenly you can be getting over the game line. When you're doing that standing start from middle of the field because you've waited for, you know, for example, Will Ganya to get ready to pass the ball as the defence have, it's a different game altogether. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, the difference that made, um, as well as then, you know, whether it's White or Corbetti or whoever, or Hooper, you know, taking those pick and drives so that they couldn't get settled uh, around the ruck. I mean, just incredible how that can just fundamentally change a whole game. Um, mm. and, I, and, I, and I think that's one of the things I did. Here's a question, though. I don't remember feeling as comfortable as I did. I, I realized they scored four tries in the end, so, but it was 26 points. But I don't remember feeling as comfortable in our defence, um, as I did, you know, watching our, our, our sort of um, our wide backline defence, was it just me, or does it look like it's changed a little bit? They they were still using a bit of line speed, but there was no crazy shooters, and they didn't seem yeah. to be doing. It was it was kind of like they were doing much more of a kind of a, a drift um, uh-huh. defence across you know across the back rather than trying to do that whole up and in. Well, um, they still had a, a bit of a line speed, but it just seemed to work so much better. I think there were two big changes. One was that they were using the pendulum
2: with the actual back three with Corabetti, Beal and Hodge, which meant that people didn't have to, you know, jump in and out of position all the time, you know, 10 being sent back. The other one is that Nick White is defending in the line and not as a sweeper, which is one reason, I think, why Barrett and Moana put in a combination of six chip kicks on the weekend, none of which worked. They're looking for that space in behind that Genia used to inhabit because now we've got an extra guy in the line, and it's it's working. You know, Nick White is no fabulous defender, but they're sticking him out in the wider channels where he can sort of use his pace instead of his you know immense physicality, um, and it's it's
0: working. It's working. Yeah. No. Look. I, I just it was. Um, it looked. It looks so much better um, the way. Well, it was
1: and. Working. And and combined with that, just one last thing before we move on. I mean, Matt, I think you spoke about only conceding four penalties, but I'd also like to see how many knock-ons, you know, because I think there was two or three that I can remember – early on in the game which were not not the not particularly soft knock-ons they were forced under pressure and there was you know no no scrappy forward passes we didn't kick out on the full we didn't balls up any line outs we didn't balls up any scrums it was the most error-free performance I can ever remember from an Australian team you know and that all of our tries were scored after that those long periods of continuity where you know in the last two, three years, we would have at some point spilled a a pass or lost it in contact or done something stupid, um, where we just, for some reason, just decided not to do those things, which was quite nice.
2: There was a bit of holding on to the ball too much. I think uh, that Samu Karevi incident in the first half where he somehow managed to butcher a two-on-one in 15 metres of
0: space, that was pretty special. (laughs) But... But let me think. Let let me just take you guys back to when we had one of our Israel Folau discussions, and one <laughs> of us on this podcast said, "You know what, guys? Do you think it's possible that the Wallabies would play better with is without Israel Folau, and that in fact perhaps this could be a blessing because?"
1: I think that was one of the podcasts we forgot to record.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I don't
1: think that's a, there's a record of that.
0: Yeah, because no, I'm just trying to remember so. now. Because yeah, Israel Folau wasn't out there on this record-breaking uh, sort of victory. But anyway, okay, let's move on. Um, would we have won without the red card? Hugh, I mean, I mean, first of all, like, I mean, we can probably do this pretty, one pretty quickly. Um, red card. Anyone? Anyone disagree with it being a red card? First of all, Jamie. No. Is there even no. there, is, is there a slither of anything here?
2: That... There, there is a there is a slither of anything which is should they be enforcing this uh, this head ban so strictly? Probably not. But under the guidelines, it was always going to be a red card from the moment it happened. The referee will get you know full marks for doing what he did. He went through the perfect process. It was a red card all day.
0: Yeah. And
2: you?
1: The, the funny thing is, I, I agree. A red card. If you watch if you watch it back there's I think it's I think it's two phases before that happened maybe it's three um it was someone took a hit up again and Barrett was the post defender and made an almost identical tackle and he just kind of wrapped his arm around um and but he still led with the led with the shoulder and I I couldn't help look at and go geez you know it was only marginally different to the one he took it took Hooper out with and 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 so I think it's obviously a technic, technique thing with him. And and all those who have a replay, go back and watch it and see if you see the same thing. Oh, he, well, you know, It, it almost kind of went awry. Yeah, it was on Hooper, right? And so then when it actually happened and says and blew it up, Barrett, you, you watch him, he knew exactly what was going to happen. He, he, well, he look, Fo- looked Sports up, he walked away, he knew exactly what he'd done.
0: Yeah, well, Fox Sports did a bit of analysis on that. There's an article out there you can find, but where they look at that and they show that first hit where – it was a, you know, a barely disguised shoulder charge. But then Hooper gets up at the end of that because I think we get a penalty anyway, and he goes over to Garces and says, "Look, did you see that shoulder charge?" And Garces, "No, no, I think he got his um his arm on it." And, and Hooper says that I huh. disagree, but fine. So he sets it up, um, or should I say Barrett had set himself up because then when it happens the second time, Garces knows exactly what he's looking at. Um, but I think you're completely. I think the other thing then you've got to say is from a Barrett perspective, how did he think he was going to get away with this? Like he's obviously trolling around the side of that rock, knowing Hooper's going to go for the odd dart and, and you know, someone else is going to go low and he's going to try and knock his head off. And I don't know how you think in international rugby with eight cameras trained on you, that, that if you don't get picked up right then and there, I guess what they know is that for whatever reason, Michael Checker never wants to cite anyone, which always drives me nuts. But you know, that you think you're going to get away with it. I mean, you've got at least a 50-50, and I'm sorry, but everyone's going on about, you know, um, that, you know, suddenly enforcing that, you know, force on head. That's been there for, I don't know, how many seasons, hasn't it? Like, you know, whether you're dropping someone on their head, doing anything to anyone near anyone's head, you've been, well, it's an instant yellow, and it's been, I think, pretty close to a red for more than a couple of seasons now. I don't see this being something that's suddenly sort of turned up. I mean, and especially when you see this new vision that's come out of a camera that wasn't in the telecast. Um, again, Fox Sports has got this, but it wasn't in the telecast, but they will have it for the sighting um, committee. And it's a bang on, like you see the whole incident. And and oh. there is absolutely no question of accident here. You see, you see Barrett line him up and then just try and take his head off with his shoulder. And I, like, when would have... The, I, I, Surely for the last two, three, four seasons that you would have been messing with a red card. How I don't well, understand how that's changed.
1: I said on um I said on Twitter at the time that um it was actually similar to what Sakopi Kepu saw red for against Scotland um two years ago. Um now Sakopi Kepu was slightly different. I mean he went into a ruck as a cleaner um, and sort of flew in with the shoulder and hit someone on the head but the contact was still similar in nature it was shoulder to the head and, and it was a red card um and so you know that i think there's a, there's plenty of precedent for this so even look as as much as much as you know there's been some reaction from some of the new zealanders all of my new zealand mates um and the people that you know i talked to about this all all thought red card as well so i think um, you know, even if, if, if the majority of Kiwi fans think it's a red, then, um, then it was pivoting back to the question though. I, I think we do win. I think, I think it was, you know, we were on top at that point and actually going into the sheds at 16, 12, you thought, geez, we should be up by 10 to 15 points here. New Zealand yeah. are lucky to be in the game. And then, you know, in a hypothetical world as well, where it was only a yellow card, not a red, we still go and score two tries in the, in, in the next 10 minutes so we're still, you know, well up in the game. And Scott Barrett was a passenger for the first 40 and would have been a passenger for the last 30. So um, I think we were well on top and and we would have won with the same margin.
0: Well, just to back you up here, mate. So um, so there's a guy on Twitter called Simon Gleave who's a rugby analyst or slash journo, I believe. And he runs, there's a stat that he focuses on, I think we've talked about this one before, but it's about entries into the opposition 22 and then how many points you score per entry into the the opposition 22. Now, the average entry into the All Blacks 22, I believe, is something like five per test. Um, Overall, in the game, we made 12, which is a record for the last two years. Um, And we made seven Um, in the first half. Uh, So we only made five in the second half. So, you know, again, when they had 15 men on field, we actually made more entries um, into the half than we, than than we did in the second. Um, And actually they made five entries into our 22 for the whole match. And I made three of them in the second half. So again, they actually did better in their second half um, than they, than than they did in the first. So I, this, I think, uh, yeah, and then and then if you want to look at things like territory, we had more possession and territory um, actually in the first half when they had fifteen wow. men on than we did in the second. So I think it's it's hard to say by you know but just by looking at those stats that the game was fundamentally swung. I think you've got to say that we started we towed them up in the first half already, and actually you know he was just a pressure valve that that went. Yeah. What do you reckon?
2: No, no, I really agree with that. I think we won it in that second quarter of the game. And I think it was the pace of the game that really almost induced the red card. I mean, by half time, I think we'd had 100 rucks and they'd had 20. And I think some of the All Blacks were absolutely out on their feet. And you saw that uh, I think there were three substitutions in the 45th minute. Uh, the New Zealanders were were, were done. Uh, they were really struggling for answers. They couldn't keep hold of the ball. Um, they were missing tackles, 22 in the first half, I think, alone. And I think the four points doesn't reflect that, but really all of those other underlying factors, the Wallabies had done the hard work and had made the All Blacks suffer. And that came to the fore both just before halftime and just after halftime. And I think we would have won
0: even without the red card. Yeah. Um, well, there you go, so red card incident put to bed,
2: yeah, um, we're all in all furious
0: ag- agreement with each other as you yeah that that's that's i'm I'm shocked, okay, number four um so you're Michael Checker, you've just made a, we- a record win i mean a a global record win over the all blacks, no one's ever put that many points on them uh you you've won the first. Of, a, of I think, is, is it 15 years now since we held the Blederslow? 7 so You've won the 17, but you've won the first test out of two. All you need is to win in Eden Park. Now, we know that's not easy, but someone's got to break this hoodoo at some time. Just imagine getting that Bladerslow Cup back. Having said that, you're going into a World Cup year. You are still bucking around. You're still trying to find what's the absolute best test team, test out different combos, Um, Do you want to show everything you've got? Do you want to fox a bit and see what else you can do and play things a little bit differently? I think Georgina Robinson's already tipped that she believes that that's what will happen, that they'll want to tinker um, leading into the World Cup. But there's your decision. What do you do? Jamie? Uh,
2: You know, there are so many new combinations in this team at the moment that I think the answer to both questions is the same. Um, If you decide that you want to, you know, give the combinations more time to gel, well, uh, 9, 10, 12, 13 played for the first time together on the weekend and they looked like they played for the first time in a real match on the weekend. So you've got to pick them to give them more time to gel, whether it's that is both the best thing for winning the Bledsoe Cup and the best thing for the World Cup later in the year. I would like to think that we will not see a lot of changes.
0: We do expect David Pocock back, but other than that, I would pick the exact same team. And so, so if Pocock was coming back, what, you'd stick him in the 23?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think I think you stick him at eight and you bring him in straight away because the New Zealanders do fear him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the back row looked very well balanced on the weekend, but it's partly influenced by what New Zealand's doing. You know, in, in their team at the moment, they've only got three line-out jumpers uh, with Sevilla and Kane in the same lineup, And... With Barrett going, they'll have a significantly worse jumper, uh, probably Tui Pelotu coming into the second row. Um, so I think we shouldn't feel too bad about going in with three jumpers ourselves. If was mm. if it was a different situation, if they had four jumpers, as they usually do with a big six like Liam Squire, then I think things look a bit different. But I think that's what we'll do, and I think that's what we should do. What's happened with Squire? Is he is he around the squad, or does anyone... <laughs> yeah, really- he he voluntarily took himself out for a couple of weeks, said he just wasn't playing very well and wasn't in the right uh, mental space, wanted a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. off to refresh and reinvigorate and get back Mm -hmm. uh, in time to launch a World Cup bid.
0: Freshen the mullet. Um, You mentioned the guy there. I just guess, I mean, I know we went past out who surprised you a bit, but um, I thought LSL um, at at six for us, uh, that was his breakthrough game, I thought. Um, You reckon? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't... In terms of what he'd been you know again, it wasn't like he was member of the match material or anything like that, but I think he showed that he has the potential to play at international um, international level, which I was I had a big question mark hanging over before
2: um, his, the weekend. Is his hair better or worse than Liam Squires? <laughs> like that, that was that was a James O'Connor level bad hair. That was
0: really <laughs> terrible. Oh, I don't think O'Connor would have himself seen with that haircut. Um, it was a shocker. You remember um,
2: O'Connor had the dreads
0: a few years ago. Oh, yeah, okay. But no, it's <laughs> still better than that. Okay, um, good. Hugh, what, what are you going to do, mate? Do you do you roll it again or do you fox?
1: Oh, you roll it again. and It's interesting. The report card had this discussion and, and it sort of morphed onto Twitter, which is what would you rather – win, the Bledisloe or the World Cup, and I, I've got to say, rack in my mind, I've got to say it's the Bledisloe, I think for what it means for for rugby in this country, um, you know, if, if you told me we'd win the Bledisloe and not the World Cup, I'd be totally fine with that, Um, and, you know, we, we've lost the last, what, seven, 16 Bledisloe's, I think it's 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 a hoodoo that we need to get off our back, we've only lost the last three World Cups, Um. So <laughs> oh, I think it's four actually now since 03, 07, 11, 15. yeah, so four world Cups for sixteen butterslowes for me it's it's um it's the butterslowes, so look if it's me i'm I'm keeping the same team I really am but but a part of me wouldn't be surprised if they change more than we think, uh, you know whether they are seeing the World Cup as the bigger game here and and they will, for example, I'm not suggesting that I would do this, but there's a part of me that thinks they might. Replace White and Lee Elefana with Gennier and Foley, um, mm. you know uh, uh, exactly that would probably be the the reaction. But um, you know, and, and and swing Adam Coleman in for for Rory Arnold or something, you know, and and give these guys a chance to prove themselves. Again, not saying that's what I do. And with the selection panel, it might be interesting to see if we get you know what outcome we get now um, because. It seems like they've pulled the right rein so far this series. So, look to me, I think I'm keeping the foot on the floor and, and trying to win this thing. Um, but um, yeah, I um, it, it's 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 going to be it's going to be bloody good though. I mean, uh, you, you touched on it there, Jamie. The 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 All Blacks pack, the the area where we got them and bested them on on Saturday. It doesn't look like they've got many reinforcements there to to bring in. Um, there's there's no guys like Steve tour or, or someone else waiting in the wings you know they've've they've, they're, they're down they they're, they're under demand and and they're vulnerable and I think they're about as vulnerable as I can remember
2: oh, I mean they, they only just beat Argentina drew with South Africa have now been pasted in Perth they're down to their fourth choice lock I mean if you're not going to roll the dice now you never are
1: really. well, and we, and they... we
2: have our, and we have our best player coming back
1: They've only won one of their last four games. Can you believe it? Um, oh, so they're basically, you know. they're
2: basically Italy. We should kick them out of the rugby championship. I mean, if they're not going to be more, com- <laughs> if they're not going to be more competitive on a regular basis,
0: then they should leave and play in the Pacific Islands competition. Well, you know what they—they, they, you know how the, the All Blacks every when they go through a bad period and they have that look about them where they just look absolutely guileless, like. They have no idea where they are. They just, when they look at each other behind the goal line, no one has, there's no one leading. They just absolutely, you know, they can, they can, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's like um, they can get out there and execute, but there's like, it's just not computing. They don't know what's going on and I don't know how they get themselves back into it. Because when, when the chips were down, you know, in the sort of that Carter-McCaw period, there was always a plan B. There was always a different way to shake things up and break themselves out of a rut on the weekend they just got led like lambs to the slaughter and couldn't get themselves out of it couldn't think their way out of it couldn't play their way out of it i think they got too many dumb kids across the park basically um i don't think there's i don't think there's enough brains trust in that in that um in that team to kind of to snap them out of it but to just to go back to the question um look i've got to agree with you guys i just think it's um it's game theory you got you know you know, what is it, a bird in the hand worth more than two in the bush or some shit? Um, is that, <laughs> you, you, you know, you've got. I'm fascinated to got, see where this is going. You no, know, you've got, you've got like, um, well, you know, you've got like, in terms of, you know, you're, this, is, this is, I don't agree with you, Hugh, you know, for us, kind of equivalent to, in you know, a silverware, equivalent to a World Cup, and you're in the final. Like, you know, next you know, this weekend is the final. You win this game, you win that cup, versus you go into the World Cup and you're in the whatever it is, sixteen team co- competition and there's five of us who could possibly win this thing, you know, you're in one and five, shit can happen in the middle, um, all the rest of it. So I I just think it's a bit of a no brainer that you wouldn't, you know, um, roll that one over. We've still got if you really want to tinker and give some other combos a roll, you you do it against some other. Um, mm. So, it, 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 and it would be what a statement it would be if they did roll that team out again. Um, I think it would be fast, fascinating. And if we lose, well, you've just strengthened the comp- you've strengthened the combinations, and maybe found where a few work ons are um, versus you know reshuffling the reshuffling the deck. Um, so um, yeah, again, fervent agreement. Um, so clearly, we're right. Um, look, before we move on from that match. Anything else? What, what have we left out? What, what, what haven't we talked about? What, what do you guys want to get off your chest um, or go around again on that, on that game? I mean, we don't get this situation very, very often, do we?
2: I, I want to just say I thought we actually looked like a very smart team for the first time in a really long time. There were mm. just a couple of tactical things. We talked about Nick White coming up in the, the defensive line, but one thing that – I mean, this just sounds so basic, but it was just clever – is when we had a full line-out, the number three jumper, who usually would be Alan Alalatoa, was actually Michael Hooper. And that meant that we could create a gap between three and four, and the fastest of our forwards would then race back to the four, beating their prop, and lift at four. And we did that twice, and on both occasions, it just meant that Latu could throw a bog-standard throw right to the middle of the line-out, no timing issues, no nothing. And on both occasions, this, the New Zealand guy was up in the air, but he was about a foot and a half off simply because Hooper is faster. Just logical mm. stuff like that that makes it for a guy who's pretty new to test rugby just meant he didn't have to do anything too fast, you know. Um, another example of the line-out was when we had the big long line-out, seven of them, usually the second guy from the back was Isaac Rodder, who is our tallest and best jumper, and he was matched up against Ardi Savia. And it just meant that we always had that card up our sleeve and we never had to play it because, you know, we didn't have to. And Tolu isn't the best thrower in the world. But just those sorts of matchups, things like that was just just smart. You know, it just meant that we were able to focus our attentions elsewhere in the line out. There were lots of little things like that I thought we did on the weekend that, uh, that, that, that New Zealand struggled to adapt to because they don't expect us to be a smart
0: team. And now all listeners know as well that, um, you don't, you don't, we know that you don't watch porn, mate, because you just basically study lineups is, uh, that's, that's your thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think think we've now that that's been laid bare for everybody. Hugh, what have you got? I mean, what haven't we got (laughs) out of you on on this, on this, on this match yet? I,
1: I just think how nice it was to see, you know, rugby just be talked about again. You know, um, it, it felt great. And, 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 you know, I saw a bloke riding to work today in his Wallabies jersey, and it just, you know, I think we've said for a long time that that the game, you know, just needs wins to be relevant again, and we need to start beating the Kiwis, and that's the winning formula. And, and I think it probably um, was, was shown on Saturday night with a game that was just really, really free-flowing, and uh, I thought Jerome Garces made, you know, a few errors, but his instinct to put the whistle away and let the game flow was was really good, and I uh, I thought contributed to the spectacle. Um, and you know, great great TV ratings. Um, and um, you know, it's going to be even better this week. I mean, I've already got mates reaching up. Where are you watching the game on Saturday? So you know, it, it really um it really felt like it it it's dominated the new, the headlines for for two or three days, which is which is great to see. So that that you know, we're we're um we're Australia's winning at sport again, and it's nice.
0: Yeah. No, look, I I think that's all great. I guess the one thing I'd say is um, it was actually in that last question, Nick in the booth um, was probably screaming um, because he wanted us to talk about, you know, uh, how realistic should we be about Eden Park and and all that sort of thing and not to get ahead of ourselves, but God damn it, I'm going to. Um, And I think one of the reasons why would be again, going back to that Simon Gleave analysis, I'd mentioned it, I think a few weeks ago, If you look at entries into the opposition 22 by the All Blacks over the last two seasons, it's just a downward sloping line. Um, You know, they are more beatable than they've been for a long time. These four results that we've seen out of their last four tests are not a blip. And, you know, the pasting we gave them last week wasn't either. So, look, we all know they'll come good for the World Cup like they do, and they're going to be, as usual, the, the toughest team. To knock off. But having said that, they're no longer number one in the world. Apparently I can still can't get over how Wales is possibly there, but there you go.
1: I think, um, I think but, I, they are number one in the world. I think Wales needed to beat England to get that spot and they didn't.
0: They didn't. All oh, right. Okay. But anyway, for a bit there, um, just for a second, it, it wasn't published. They weren't actually, but they didn't publish it because they don't publish it before the end of the round. But, um, Anyway, I, I think they're there for the taking, and I uh, look forward to us giving that crack this weekend. You know, you know the one thing that was missing on the weekend?
2: Just, just one little thing that would have made it even sweeter was that early in the second half, seven New Zealand forwards, scrum five metres out, and the Australian scrum just mowed straight through them. They didn't, they didn't even have the respect to put an eighth guy on the scrum and the ref mm-hmm. didn't give a penalty. I reckon if the ref gives that penalty, we put down another scrum and then another scrum, and we just marched them straight back over their line. I, the scrum yeah. was so powerful against Argentina, very good last week, and
0: that would have been the ultimate indignity. Yes, yeah, that would have been. You're right. And um, they did get away with, with murder, actually, in that scrum. And um, again, like we've talked about the last couple of podcasts, even when we weren't liking the results, line-out and scrum have looked great.
1: Yeah, um, but simpler. This a,
0: looks simple. What a, what a foundation it's making. It's it's brilliant. Okay, final one is just the uh, cop out around the grounds, anything that's going on. Um, we had the Wallaroos, unfortunately, they couldn't um, bust through the uh, silver, I think it's the silver, the black fans on, on, on the weekend. Um, who's got anything? Jamie, do you want to talk about your referee assignments? Um, no, I'm fine. You've got? You are good? No, I did. Um, I
2: did actually referee that guy Sean Maloney was talking about a couple of weeks ago, Yule Yule.
0: He's,
2: he's oh, very, yeah. very oh, – the guy is very, very good. Um, yeah. Very yes, I remember you said
0: that – you said he was phalao like I don't know if you're referring to his religion or his no. – Or, his, or his, his playmaking or he's, what? He's,
2: he's tall with long legs and elusive, and there were just so many times when opposition defenders had him, like totally were like, oh, yeah, I've got this guy – and then they didn't. And he might have beaten maybe 20 tackles alone, just himself, in the game. Scored a couple, set up a couple. Just very special. God, this great, is name, great.
0: And Poof, great name. And Poofy was gone. Mate,
1: um, um <laughs> Well, a few other international results worth mentioning. South Africa flogging Argentina to take out the rugby championship. And I'll tell you what, they're coming good at the right time. And that pool game between South Africa and New Zealand is going to be one to watch refereed by one Jerome Garcés as well, which is going to be fascinating. Um, the English beat the Welsh um, quite comfortably um, in England, and um, Ireland had a good win over Italy, I think. So, um, yeah, it's um, it's all sort of starting to, starting to happen for the World Cup, not long to go. Um, and I think we've only got two tests, if, if potentially. I think we've got New Zealand and then Samara, I think. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. which is uh, at western sydney stadium which is going to be a fantastic game too i'm hoping to get out there so um yeah it's it's uh geez it's 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 getting close
0: does anyone know what the if what the Kiwi if the, if the kiwis got another test after hours um, yeah i think the they're playing they someone oh okay yeah well they don't have much god if we beat them again they wouldn't have much time to get their shit together would they um would be mentally fractured, I would suggest. Um look, around the grounds it'd obviously be remiss of us not to talk about um the uh, GPS schoolboy rugby season coming to an end uh this weekend with um just reading it here. Oh yes, St. Joseph's College, uh Hunters Hill, um undefeated in the first, seconds and thirds, first time since nineteen fifty seven. I think in fact only two of the teams in the first eleven um open teams uh weren't Undefeated it was quite an amazing uh, stat. That one, but look, I, I
1: well, I, Matt, was... I'm going to say, I mean that 57. You would have been what year nine then? So you would have yeah, had, right, mate. you would have seen <laughs> that up close.
0: Yeah, brother Anthony was
2: still there. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I remember <laughs> it very, 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 very fondly.
2: No, look, well, well uh, done to Joe, well done to Joey's, and well done to the GPS system that I think produced exactly zero of the starting 15 on the weekend.
1: Oh, uh, cool,
2: Oh, yeah, it did produce Kirtley. I'm, I really do stand corrected. Okay, very nice. Kirtley was doing it for the college, mate. <laughs> how good was that last try? Actually, how good would oh, Bill look? He, he had a cracking game, yeah, didn't he? The, it, was, it was the one where he took the run from his own goal line and just blitzed them. Like, the confidence. Yeah. Love it. Love to see it. I mean, he just And, he Al- just and Alan
1: Alatoa. You're wrong. There's two. He went to Newington.
2: Oh, my goodness. He did, too. Oh, this yeah. is bad. Let's so, Let's stop this podcast
0: now, shall we? Yeah, wash your mouth out. How dare you? Anyway, guys, um, good to talk to you, and good, great to talk to you after win, which is obviously the only reason why you're on here, Jamie. Like suddenly yep. your, your your schedule could find you could find time, um, and, and I'm sure and even even Reg was available. Um, well, tomorrow he, he couldn't come on tonight, but anyway, um, so we miss you, Reg. Anyway, anyway, uh, thanks guys for um, coming on tonight. Good to talk to you, and thank you for everybody for letting us come on your ears, and we'll speak to you next time. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Griegan. Drop goal from Larkham.
1: Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to Beer de Beer.